Hi, everyone. This is Terror Talk with Shannon and Kathy. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Or morning or evening. I don't know when you're listening. <laughs> Middle of the night, oh, dark 30. Um, we're in a Halloween hangover, but we're going to continue on because we always talk about the spooky and horrific on the show. So All year long. All year long, but we are solidly out of the halloween portion i know we're heading into the holidays of the year and so now it's november and it's krampus season it's krampus baby and nightmare before christmas can still Mm -hmm. move on if you haven't watched that one yet those kinds of things if you like that sort of missing the haunted mansion this year yeah yeah i missed i missed things about this halloween season i mean i think you you and i both managed to do super fun things Mm mm-hmm um, we actually both went to an in-person event and we both, you know, like mm-hmm. we, we managed to do some fun th- stuff, but yeah, I missed a lot of our, cause we had traditions. We really did. I, I thought so much this year about missing how we missed Disney and universal. And those are like our two really big go-tos and yeah, we've been every year, what for the last three years at least. And so, yeah, we just missed them, but Hey, um, we have a lot to be grateful for. So yeah, I'm sad about that. But there will be another Halloween. There will be another Halloween every I mean, year. Got, you know, Hey, I don't take for granted that I'll have another Halloween ever, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, cause life's a little short, but I am hopeful that we will have many, many more Halloweens to imbibe together. Today on the show, we are going to talk about the 2000 science fiction psychological horror film called The Cell, which stars Jennifer Lopez, Vince Vaughn, Vincent D'Onofrio, etc. Yeah, and some good character actors. And some great character actors that you definitely recognize, especially from that time period. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's start with talking about our general impressions of the film and it just so happens that both you and I watched the film when it was new, not together because we didn't know each other then, but watched the film back in the day or 20 years ago, I guess. And then now have just recently rewatched it to talk about it now. And now we're part of this psychological profession. So yeah, that makes for different impressions. So I guess I can start by saying that when I first saw this movie, I definitely loved it. Oh my gosh. And so, but the reasons were different (laughs) for why Mm -hmm. I loved it probably. I mean, the same reasons apply, but just very different viewing. So Mm -hmm. I am, I'm a, I'm big on visuals. So the visuals, the stunning, the costumes, the colors. And I've always been, um, I've always been kind of a whore for imagination too. Mm-hmm. So a lot of this is very imaginal. A lot of this is outside of reality because it's it take as we'll get into more as we go, but it takes place. A lot of the movie takes place in a dreamscape type of world. And so things are not literal. Things are metaphoric. Things are, um, it's just awesome. And, I realize a lot of people have said the casting was a little bit odd or whatever, but the I remember going to this movie and wanting to see this movie because of Vincent D'Onofrio. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, he's wonderful. I was already a, bit, a fan of his. Me too. And I was like, I must see this movie because of him. And then I ended up enjoying, you know, I, I mean, Vince Vaughn is a very likable And he, this was a, actor. a big time for him. And Jennifer Lopez too. This is, you know, this was after... 
is it Out of Sight with George Clooney? And she had become a movie star, right? And actually, I I like watching her in a lot of things. I I actually enjoy her as an actor. She's divisive. Um, yeah, people like her, people don't. Whatever. Yeah, I find I like her more on screen than I actually do her music. Um, but I, I think she's likable anyway. All the interviews I've seen with her, I just I like I like the J Lo. So, what was your first impression back um, in the day of this movie? Ter- it was terrifying. Yeah, it, I was also. Yeah, I would add that it's, too. It's visually stunning. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio is. I think you know there's certain villains throughout, and, and you know. He, I mean, he he's a villain, I guess, in a sense. He's also a victim. But um, watching him do this character back then and even now, I think of, of him differently now. I mean, he's still very sadistic and he's clearly psychopathic. Well, he was a serial that, but, killer in the movie. Right. <laughs> so he's definitely the villain. Right, he's villain. But But I think what I'm talking about is watching it now, you know, we get more into the, his psychological underpinnings, which by no means is an excuse for what he did, but having more of the explanation to how he got there. But he, he was so terrifying and the scene that I I never forget. And it got me this time again, when I watched it is the scene where she wakes up at the bottom of the stairs and she doesn't know he's there and he stands up and he pulls the Cape and the Cape like comes off the wall like drapes right and he's walking down the steps like super super slow Mm -hmm. and then she realizes he's there he is when i picture the boogeyman that haunts my dream my Mm -hmm. like my nightmares it's someone who looks like this like Mm -hmm. he terrifies me in this film that's fantastic i mean that's a great horror movie because yeah it's it's actually frightening to you, right? right? I mean, it won't frighten everyone, but it's frightening to you. And, and the, I, and the, I just, ahead. sorry, the different like versions of him when he's like the seahorse and then he's the demon and it's all just really rancid and nasty and, and terrifying. They do such a good job. at scaring the crap out of you. Absolutely. I, I was terrified by him when I first watched this film and there's a couple of different scenes that are, were absolutely terrifying to me because I did see it on the big screen as well. You know, we have that different vantage point. Yeah, I did from too. Having seen it in the theater and big and the big sound and not absolutely not knowing anything really about the movie except for trailers, mm-hmm. you know, at that time. So you're just, you're going in blind a lot. You kind of have a little bit of an idea, but, um, and then just having it be this visual, um, dinner, you know, dinner and dessert visually. It's, it's eye candy for sure. It's, yeah. And for some people, I think for people who didn't like it, mm-hmm. um, it was almost like an assassination of the senses. I think for some mm-hmm. people it was almost too much. And then they're weaving three plot, three plots into a film that I, I think worked together. They just didn't have a lot of time to Vince, like Vince Vaughn's character wasn't as developed with the complexity of his backstory they didn't really develop it that much. No. But you have three plots going into one film and all like assassination of the senses. I think some people were almost like overwhelmed by it. They're like, this is, this is too much going on. I don't like it. I, I'm i sure that's completely true. I'm sure that, 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 that also, you know, and we'll get into this, but the attention to the depth of Psyche and that, you know, 
when I was talking earlier about how it's in a dreamscape, but what it is is it's, it's literally a metaphor for someone's psyche. You're Absolutely. in you're in his psyche for most of the movie, mm-hmm. um, and you're in her psyche at one point, but that's really brief. So. I mean, it was frightening because I think because even when I saw this the first time, I think what I was hyper aware of is that I was in someone's shadow, Mm -hmm. is that I was in someone's darkness. Mm -hmm. And so then no rules would apply. And like, what's a better horror than you're in a world where the rules of life don't apply Mm -hmm. the rules of good and bad and structure and what we're allowed to do and what we're not allowed to do is gone you can feed it you can entertain it i was really i think i was aware of it even then even though i wasn't in psychology at the time sure and that's what was so frightening is that i knew i was in a place where anything could happen Mm -hmm. he he could do anything to her Mm -hmm. without Um, consequence exactly because it was imaginal right you know until he goes into hers exactly yeah it's it, it 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 is um deeply psychological in that sense where you really do feel like you know what can you imagine what it would be like to go into a serial killer's mind and i think many people not that most people would literally like to do that but the idea of being able to do it and escape it right and just kind of walk in and like what goes on and how much it explained also how he got there and how she's working with him as a little boy at mm-hmm. the beginning and trying to keep him away from yeah. his shadow and and what was also i think they, I mean, it was his shadow, but then they also drew some sort of, you know, connection to that also being his father and all the stuff his father did to him. Yeah, they were able to explicate, like, his personal story through this device, which I thought was really, I've always really enjoyed it. I, um, So watching it now was different for me. Yeah, me too. I still enjoyed it very much. Uh, I'm not watching it on a large screen, so the visuals aren't as impactful as they were in a movie theater. But, you know, I happen to have a pretty large television monitor, so Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's big enough. Uh, So the visuals were still incredibly stunning and always just like... I just, uh, I really appreciate Dreamworld work in the movies. I know that's not everyone's jam. It's, I think it's difficult for some people to um, be in a fantasy world. Like, that's not everyone's thing. Some people want literal, like, kind of black and white, like, stories. Mm-hmm. Boom, boom, boom. And um, and this isn't that. This is, like you said, it's weaving several plots. It's not a perfect movie. Nope. So So lots of things kind of fall apart or don't get explained or you don't really interest. So, but, but I could personally set all that aside because I have an emotional attachment to when I first saw it and mm-hmm. the interest that I had in it. But I also now watching it, it was like so clear to me that it, the whole movie is a metaphor for the therapeutic process. Oh my gosh. You know, I, the opening scene I think is what really got me, um, this time mm-hmm. where it didn't have any reason to resonate with me when I watched it back in 2000, um, which is way before D'Onofrio's character even comes in. Catherine, who's the psychologist, they call her psychologist, they call her social worker, they call her MFT, depending on where you read it. They do call her a doctor. Um, so I'm assuming she's a psychologist, but she she's working with... Um, 
the parents, very, very wealthy, wealthy parents who have been allowed to be part of this seven year study. Um, their little boy has, you know, many psychological issues and she's trying to go in and help him. So it starts with her going under with him. And I don't think I ever paid attention to the scene as much, but what ends up happening is the parents start to grow really weary and the, the doctor who creates this whole experiment and Catherine, who's the psychologist, they're like, give us six more months. You know, they're like, we're not seeing any progress. We're not seeing any changes. And the father says, how do I know it's not a hallucination you are having with my son? Now that was literal for the film, but I can't tell you how many people don't believe in therapy because it's such a process how do we measure progress? What does it look like? How, how fast can we get somebody to a certain place? How fast can we get out of our discomfort? And so I know you and I, as clinicians, we, we are okay working slowly mm-hmm. and working with that unconscious process because you know neither one of us identifies like a cognitive behavioral therapist, which is way more solution-focused and intellectualized. So for me, I think, and I and I'll, I'll let you comment on this also, Shannon. For me, it was, it really socked me in the gut because I think that's what's so beautiful about the work we do is change does take time mm. and it is a process. And, and so many people don't believe in therapy or they believe in certain types of therapies because it gives what looks like instant results, but they're, they're not sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. This whole opening scene made me go, oh, my God, this is such a metaphor for our field. It really is. I mean, something that comes to mind while you're talking about that is I just had a conversation with someone recently where, you know, a lot of times people enter therapy and they have an idea of what they would like. And I mean, every time they have an idea of what they would like. But often that is ripped from you know, I uh, give me something to do. It's always something to do. So give me homework. Give me uh, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? Like I get that question a lot, as I know you do. Mm-hmm. Every therapist does. And so much of our work is about us being tolerant enough to not not be baited by that. Mm-hmm. Because I, I just had a conversation with someone the other day. I've been working with them for a while. And... They're, they're basically finally ready to get into some depth. And that's fine. I have no judgment about it taking some time. Mm-hmm. Because what I explained to them was, listen, you wanted to work in a behavioral way and because you were in crisis. And often what we need to do is we need to attend to safety issues. Mm-hmm. We need to attend to um, coping skills. We need to attend to um, sleep and, you know, um, habits and rituals and relationships in your life that might not be working or serving you. And, you know, we just piece all of that apart. And that is all very much practical in your life, um, often very behavioral you know, cognitive issues, the way you talk to yourself, all the different things we have to work on. And then now that you're pretty stable. Right. So now a lot of times I was explaining to them, this is the time when people quit therapy. That's right. <laughs> and so you have a choice. And I was, I was actually challenging them. It was, it was the conversation I had. Um, I don't often go into session with an agenda, but I was ready to, I was like, okay, so we're at this point and I, I work 
very uh, um, transparently. So I literally said that you have a decision to make. I am perfectly solid in your functioning. You are functioning well. And we have addressed the treatment goals that you had. Mm -hmm. And now we have a choice. We can go into these deeper issues that you're actually bringing up right now. And we can open that box and we can go forward. But listen, if you're going to stop, if you're going to stop working, stop the therapy, I would prefer if we didn't open that up today. That's right. Because once that's opened, um, we're moving into totally different work. Yeah. So it was one of those situations for you therapists out there where I had to stop. Like I had to stop. I had to set some boundaries around what we were talking about. I mean, I think I, I think people have the impression of therapists is that they were like always digging to get to the, you know, someone to cry or whatever. Like there's all kinds of misnomers in the, Mm -hmm. in the community about that. Mm -hmm. But, but I'm often stopping because I'm, I try to be very responsible and ethical about that. It's like, you're doing fantastic functioning wise. So we have a choice to make and let's not open that particular box. So let's have that conversation first, like around, Hey, and so what this movie is addressing, obviously is those deep, very deep, those very deep things. Right. And, and that's where she, she ends up, going into these spaces with these patients. Right. Um, and, and so, and, and I'm sorry, yeah. one of the things I'm kind of talking about is so much of this movie is about her crossing that boundary of depth and, yep. and how frightening we can see that is for her and for the people that are working with her. Right. right. Like she could get stuck in there is kind yeah, of, he was saying, he's like, she may not be able to tell reality from we might break her psyche yes yeah 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 Yeah. and you know as clinicians we have to be careful too because we get exposed to all of this stuff and that's where our boundaries like you were saying are really important to why self-care is important why being able to leave the work in the room and go home and not carry that with you which is what I talk to my students a lot about how are you going to leave that how are you going to care enough but not you know can you have compassion without 150% empathy. And what I mean by that is compassion is empathy from a distance. It allows people to, to lean in and, and be present and be empathic, but with a boundary versus if you become an empath with your clients, you're now carrying all of that energy. And this is what happens in this film. And there's a really great scene where Vince Vaughn is talking to her about, um, you know, how sick, D'Onofrio's character is and and she's sort of starting to even have that conversation with him like do you really believe that he can't be fixed or do you really believe that um you know he chose this or whatever they get into this whole conversation of nature and nurture basically and you can start to see how she's she's really being pulled in to wanting to repair him and wanting to fix him I also think that when we when we think about this for me, psychologically, I think about as clinicians, we know that certain injuries cannot be repaired, right? So um, if it's a sort of malignant narcissism from an early injury, we'd have to get back in a time machine, really, and go back and, and unwind that injury. We can watch people make certain certain little progress, but that injury can't ever go away, right? They're going to struggle with that, or they're going to hurt people in their life. And so D'Onofrio's character being a serial killer, I mean, there's so, as a forensic psychologist, this is really fascinating for me because there's always the argument of, you know, 
can can we make someone who's incredibly dangerous no longer be dangerous? And this is a fantasy. This movie's a fantasy, which was I'm going to go in. I'm going to go back to that little boy. I'm going to undo the in, uh, the injury, or in this case, I'm going to let him go. I'm going to help him die so he never has to go and live this pain and hurt other people. This is a fantasy of our work, and 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 it, and it speaks to how we are not limitless as clinicians. We cannot undo those inju- injuries. No, I I just the. The thing I love psychologically about the ending of this movie, mm-hmm. this closing shot, for those of you who have seen it, I mean, I hope you've seen it. And if not, I hope you go see it after you listen to this discussion. Just And then just take our, the way we see it, take that into the movie. You'll enjoy it. Um, that closing shot of her baptizing him mm. and thus freeing him and being able to take him back to his original trauma to free his psyche. Yep. So this guy, his original trauma was being um, almost being drowned or being, you know, associating drowning with his baptism and then all of the abuse that he was suffering at that time. So they keep taking him back to this um, memory of him being baptized in in a river by um his stepfather or something like that. Yeah, which is why he becomes so obsessed with drowning his victims. Right. His his as a serial killer, his rituals become about drowning them and then turning them into dolls and mm-hmm. et cetera. You'll see all of that. But um but taking him back to that original trauma, like imaginally, and then bap- her baptizing him in her psyche. She brings him into her psyche and baptizes him, releasing him, freeing his his psyche. Uh, with a but <laughs> this is the metaphor of therapy you take them back to the original trauma and rebaptize them like what bigger metaphor is that it's, it's and then it's like with a with a but here's the big difference and this is what the movie represents is with a loving presence with a non-abusive parent with a safe container which is what we strive and hope and sometimes achieve and sometimes don't mm-hmm. but we strive and hope to create that safe um, non-abusive other, um, and that loving presence that you, to 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 um, guide and and provide that safe container for anyone to be in that trauma, and then re-narrative, like recreate that narrative. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really oh powerful. My God. Like so it, amazing. <laughs> it's really amazing, and I think that if you if you don't watch it through that lens. It's yeah. still a good movie, sure. but it, it it there's so much going on that you can get lost in the surface level of it. Oh, for sure. But I think the the depth of this film, and you know, I've read some of the reviews of um, people who suffer from schizophrenia, and um, and by no means am I comparing somebody with schizophrenia to being a serial killer. They're just talking about the psyche and how fragile it is. And how um, they could really just resonate with, you know, wanting to be released from the pain. And and so I think people who either uh, have mental, like a chronic mental illness, or are in this field, or, or have a, enough knowledge around mental health, I think this film really resonates because it is a horror film in some ways, but it is a deeply rooted psychological thriller that... Um, is a, a, hum, a, a huge metaphor for our field in so many ways, whether it is the resistance of, you know, therapy or the, the long process. Um, it's about trauma. It's about, um, as clinicians, recognizing what our limits are and how this is such a fantasy. And probably one of the reasons it was made was 
this is what we try to do. And she not only did it through therapy, she went into his unconscious. She went, I mean, we can't do that. No, that's why it's a metaphor. And that's why it's considered science fiction, right? Yeah. I mean, we can't do that. And so, but, but I also, it's just interesting to me that, you know, when I watched it back in the day, I loved it for the visuals and the actors and stuff, but there was something very, like there was something I connected to about it. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and this was before I had chosen to go into psychology, but obviously there's reasons why we chose to go into psychology. I've always been interested in the, in the depth of humanity. I've like, I've always been interested in, I mean, the one common thing is story from when I was a kid. Like I've always been interested in people's stories and how they got the way they got and how um, the depth of us. um, And I've always been creative. And so it's just so interesting to me that this movie could be so psychological and I didn't consciously like it for that reason. Right. But now looking at it this way, like it still touches me in that way. And it, it kind of blew my mind on this rewatching because when I was, when I was jotting down sort of thoughts and impressions and notes while I was watching it, that was that one thing like, Oh my God, she's rebaptizing him. Like we mm-hmm. metaphorically try to do, we're not priests and all of that. They're just using that sort of his religious trauma they're mm-hmm. using in that. But it's like she reparents. She yeah. repairs. And, yeah. and that whole idea of like, she enters his world, mm-hmm. right? We try to do that. Mm-hmm. She gets stuck, mm-hmm. <laughs> which we often get stuck. She uses her colleagues. Like, there's this one point, like, the metaphor is like, she uses her colleagues and supervisors to get out of being unstuck. And that's such a metaphor because right. that's what we do. When we're stuck with someone, we don't know what to do. We go to our peer groups, we go to our supervisors, whatever, and we try to get unstuck. And so like, but you know what? One quick thing is it's like, in order to use others and to get unstuck in the profession of therapy is you have to be open to be challenged by others. You have to be able to vent about a client and not be rigid and then also have that person say like, you know, it sounds like you're being really judgmental of them right now or it sounds like you're, you know, you know and, you, and you have to like set your ego aside and be non-defensive about it. But that's what yeah. happened in the movie. Well, yeah, and even to add one more layer is when D'Onofrio, I mean, uh, Vince Vaughn's character goes in, Novak goes in, and she's now having this, whether it's a parallel experience or that what we would maybe even call projective identification, where she's now stuck with him, mm-hmm. D'Onofrio, in that process, and Vaughn's going, Catherine, wake up. Mm-hmm. Like, he's pulled her in, and this happens, you know, in sessions, and, and I always say to, whether it's to my associate or I've said to students, that is information. When we are feeling a certain way, that's likely what, you know, the client is feeling. And there's that scene where Vaughn's getting like gutted out and she's just kind of sitting there and she's pulled into that experience with him. It's very easy to get pulled and, and lured into that projective identification and not recognize it. Um, yeah. I mean, so, that's why it's really important not to work in a vacuum. It's, oh my gosh. It's very important to um, bounce things off of people, especially, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've asked um, newer people in the profession or paraprofessionals that haven't had any um, formal training, you know, so how does this client make you feel? Mm-hmm. And I get a variety of responses to the answer. I get lots and lots of people who are game to respond and like, oh, this one makes me sick to my stomach or, 
or it makes me really angry or makes me defensive or I get pulled into this like narcissistic trap with them or, you know, whatever the answers could be is like this variant is humanity. But um, some people are like, oh, I don't feel anything when I sit with them. Yeah, right. Well, then you're... And then we have a real problem. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> hmm. And I'm not saying these are people who are training to be therapists necessarily. It's just like people in general, yeah. too. Um, so paraprofessionals, but also newer therapists, they don't know that they're supposed to know that or they're just not as tuned. And so I think that's just one of the things you have to learn. And not right. everybody comes to it with that. Right. And that's okay. It's something that can be learned. But like... I need you to answer that question. I need you to always be able to answer that question. If I say, how, how did you feel after session? Or when he said that, how did that have you feeling? You know, guess what? That's a bottom line 101 part of this work. Mm -hmm. And that's my bias. <laughs> I'll just own it as my bias, although I don't see it as a bias. I think it should be the number one thing you know how to do is to talk about how you feel. Mm -hmm. And... Not everybody in our profession can do that. Well, I, I think that's because I want to make, I want to be careful to not make any blanket statements here, but I do think that clinicians, depending on theoretically where you sit, come into this work um, very differently. And I guess what I mean by that is, are you a part of the process with them or are you the practitioner that's coming in mm -hmm. and you only see them as part of the process and you are uh, guiding them with tools and homework and all this stuff, but you're not recognizing this is an emotional exchange. This is an energetic exchange, which is why depth psychology is so different because when we talk about that third eye in the room, right, which is watching yourself with that person, that person, that whole process if we don't recognize that we are part of that process and what's coming up for us there's so much information there i say to people all the time like you're in the room yeah <laughs> you know or i'll say to a client i'm in the room like i'll i'll reflect a feeling to them and then they'll kind of look at me strange sometimes that's an intervention at some point in therapy where there's an intervention while I, where i will introduce some personal perspective that I have, mm -hmm. um, you know, professionally and delicately and then all using all my skill level. <laughs> but, and then I, and then I check, I sort of see like, am I, can, are we to the, and sometimes I get defense, I get rebuffed. Like sometimes by whatever reactions they're having, I, I can tell that, okay, we're not ready for that. Mm -hmm. It's it's basically like me dipping a toe in. Okay, yeah. I'm not in the room yet. And sometimes that takes a while for me to be in the room. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and hopefully you guys know what we're talking about as far as like just, you know, they're not in their room. They're not in the room with their own projections after a while. Because mm -hmm. therapy almost always from my um from my perspective and my orientation is 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 really you know, you're starting off with your own projections mm -hmm. and you're in the room with yourself basically for a while. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then eventually you can tolerate the other person being there. And if we intervene with me being in the room, metaphorically speaking, um, too quickly or too soon, I will, I will lose them. Mm -hmm. So you have to like, gen, you know, and so I, and all of that is kind of in this movie because it's like, after, you know, she gets unstuck, right? And so then it's like 
then so leading up to the the climax of this it's like then she allows him to enter her world and to borrow it and heal and so that's exactly what i'm talking about is eventually I mean, from a depth perspective, and there's lots of depth perspectives, I'm definitely not speaking for all of, I mean, within depth psychology, there's like 4,000 different, you know, just like there is 4,000 different ways to look at cognitive behavioral therapy or DBT or any of the other therapies. But that is absolutely what I'm talking about is that eventually I need to be in the room for the healing. And so like, when she allows him to enter her metaphorical psyche as part of the last act of this movie, you know, and then borrow it, borrow what's going on. And he kind of comes into the room a little bit as an adult and talks to her a little, and then that's that healing. And then that's how he's let go finally. Mm -hmm. And he's freed. And that's the metaphors. It's like, eventually I got to be in the room with you. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that you can tolerate other in your real life. I was just having a conversation with a client about this this week. And mm -hmm. she has um, CPTSD. Mm -hmm. I see her twice a week, a lot of trauma. And she caught herself this week going, I'm coming in and I'm, and it, it's still early. It's within the first few months of seeing her. For me, that's early. I know for, for some clinicians, that's like you're at the end of treatment. Uh, for me, that's really, and, and we've done a lot of really great work so far, but she caught herself saying, I come in and I'm dumping all of this past useless, like tangential and, and I'm letting her do this right now because I'm checking her awareness and seeing, you know, giving her mm -hmm. that space. And so we, we did sort of slow down. Um, and I started kind of throwing some stuff back at her about, Maybe there's a dissociative process going on, and and what what do you imagine it would be look what it would feel like for you if I started to step in and, and stop you in those moments? And are you ready for that to slow this down? Because attaching feelings to your story is different than you going back and re-traumatizing yourself by going on a 30 minute tangent about a certain situation, which she kept, you know, we were talking about, you keep throwing yourself back into the trauma. Are you ready for me to be in this with you? And, and she's like, yes, please. But it's been yeah. three months. Yes, absolutely. And sometimes takes far longer than that, right. depending on the personality. And if there's That's any right. kind of like access to or personality disorder going on, then it takes mm -hmm. even longer than that. Right. So yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, that's, that's, that's exactly what this movie is for me is that I would, you know, should I have the opportunity to, you know, um, talk about m movies and psychology, which is kind of one of my goals is to, is to maybe create videos or do something around, um, movies and psychology and talking about how we can break down the story right. and how they, and like, you can use these kinds of movies in your work. That's right. You know, these are the kinds of movies that you can have someone watch. You know, I mean, movies are therapy. Yep. And and certainly we talk a lot about how horror movies are therapy. Well, uh, interestingly enough, yeah. with this client and two other, I, I see a lot of clients who have complex post-traumatic stress. And for people who don't know what that is, it's, it's a form of traumatic stress that's more related to interpersonal relationships throughout someone's life and there's a lot of emotional abuse tied to it and sometimes sexual and physical abuse. And so these are people who, you know, a lot of times they have poor boundaries or they don't recognize um, 
They don't know how to know what they're feeling because it's always been based on what their abuser's feeling. Anyway, um, I use the it clown as the metaphor of fear, you know, and there's a scene in the second it where uh, this the part two of it gotcha. in the new series where he gets really big and they're, they're yelling. It's all about their childhood fears. And they start to realize when they start to yell at it and cuss at it, he starts to shrink yes. and he becomes like a, this little baby. Yeah, it is great. I for that. use that metaphor because I have a few few of my clients. I'm very transparent about horror and how there's so much psychology in it. And I have a bunch of uh, I have a handful of my clients who love horror. So I, I said, go home and watch that this weekend. Perfect. And I have a client who came back and she was like, yes, that <laughs> it clown. You're right. It's just I go. It's just fear. It's just fear. Right. So there's so much. It's so film's powerful oh my god so powerful and i i too and you know maybe it's just because of who we are right we attract the clients eventually when you get more experienced in the field you what ends up happening is you definitely attract um the kinds of clients that work well with you Mm -hmm. and so that doesn't surprise me that you have clients that love horror because i do too yeah and i certainly have clients that are writers yeah clients that are um creatives clients that love movies and love horror and love story and so then like that's exactly what ends up happening right is then you get to work the way you want to work right and um i guess to bring it back to this movie is that um i think it's really interesting what happens to her character in this movie because you can see that she i think they say at the very beginning of the movie that they recognized something in her you know, that they had gone through a few, I remember this, they had gone through a few different people to try and do this work with them. Mm -hmm. This sort of going into the, you know, dreamscape or the gray zone or whatever they call it in the movie. And they hadn't worked out, quote unquote, but that they saw something in her. She didn't have a lot of experience, but she was a child, a child therapist. Mm -hmm. And so they had her going in and working with this billionaire's kid. Right. Um, And that's ends up being the premise for why she can work so well with the child person in Vincent D'Onofrio. And, um, and you can tell she's out of her depth for quite a, 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 the whole movie really. And I think that's, what's compelling about her as a heroine Mm -hmm. is that she's out of her depth the whole time. In fact, one of the very last scenes when she finally sort of completes him at the end is that she kind of rolls over and just starts sobbing. Yeah. That's literally her hero's journey is that she went through something and whether you feel that was represented, it represented well in the movie or acted well or whatever, like have all the opinions about that. But as far as from a story perspective, I really love that because she's just like, she's kind of broken by it. Well, and and we all have uh, all, most of us clinicians, I would imagine all have clients who have done that to us. And what I love to add a little bit extra to that is then she goes back to Edward, the little boy, and she's now ready. She now knows that she was she was working too quickly. She was not paying attention. She was, all of the stuff at the beginning, if you watch how she works with him at the beginning, goes through this whole thing with D'Onofrio. And then I love that it ends with her back in it with Edward, and she's now matured. And yeah. like you said, she was broken, and now she's like, now I get it. Yeah, you know, our client's, there are always a few clients that profoundly change us and you can tell that, um, that this was one for her, obviously. I mean, you know, what they went through together, obviously was, um, 
And the denouement of the movie, which is often that those last, like the epilogue, <laughs> is, you know, she goes to see his house and they're sort of like, they see her standing outside and she actually adopts this guy's dog. Mm-hmm. Oh, that dog was so cute. Yeah, she adopts the serial killer's dog, who's left without an owner, obviously. But the dog was in the room when she went through this with them. Yeah. They put the dog in the room where they were doing the experiment. Um, so she takes the dog, and then you know the cops kind of go, she wanted to see where he lives or whatever. And they're like, isn't that kind of creepy? And the <laughs> guy's like, yeah, that's kind of creepy. But I was totally like, of course, man. Makes sense. I mean... And some people might look at that, maybe newer clinicians or whatever would maybe look at that and be like, oh, that's not that's okay. Crossing, that's, that's crossing that's a, a dual line. relationship. <laughs> He's dead. Yeah. You know, like, why is she so attached? She really needs to go to her own therapist to figure that out. <laughs> Which, you know, great, fabulous idea. But I also know, I mean, we don't, in real life, we don't get those opportunities really. No. Uh, so, so I was appreciative of the, you know, metaphoric is still a representation of you know taking the client's dog and being mm-hmm. you know like we have those fantasies sometimes because mm-hmm. we think about our clients after they're gone yeah the ones that change us and they move on and they go and we were actually you know we were just a short part of their journey whether yep. that was six months or five years that's still a short part of someone's right. journey and 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 i think about them mm-hmm. you know they um profoundly change me so I felt this movie was a really excellent representation of that and the humanity that is in our profession. So good. Thank you so much for listening. We obviously had nothing to say and feel (laughs) no particular way about this movie. (laughs) No, none at all. Thank you for listening. This is Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Terror Talk. Please check out our Patreon page, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We'd love to engage with you as part of our community. Please take a moment to leave us a comment on any of our social media. Thank you so much for listening. And once again, sleep safe.